Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. We're back and Stoke City are Bucky's favourites to win the championship this season. Nothing can go wrong now. Joining me are Tom Thrower. Hi, everyone. <laughs> that's that's enthusiasm. <laughs> and also joining me is Ben Rowley. Hey up, Stokies. Here we go, more of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's happy times now. Well, apparently so. Uh, as I mentioned there, Stoke City are Bucky's favourites to win the championship. We've just made a signing today of the uh, completely unexpected unexpected shock announcement that James McLean is joined the Potters. And we could also be signing one very soon at time of recording. So uh, if our phones buzz during this recording, it's because Tom Ince may have joined him as well, making him, he would be the fifth Stoke signing of the summer. Lads, how are we feeling? Yeah, really, Fine. really good. <laughs> it, it's really weird. We're not being drastically incompetent in the transfer market and are just doing sensible deals that make sense for the club and the fans of the club who love these transfers. I was saying before on Twitter, I don't think any fan base has ever gone into the start of a season saying, yep, that's it, all our business has been done, we're fully stocked in every position now, off we go. Um, Even Stoke, who I think we'd all agree have done good business so far this window, there's still some areas, uh, notably the right wing position, some people suggesting up front, left back, possibly goalkeeper if Butland leaves, but... How, ben, how prepared do you think we are for this season? If the season was starting tomorrow, would you still have us as favourites for the for the title? Um, I mean, at the moment, we don't seem to have a first-team right-winger, or am I wrong? Uh, I suppose we've got Chief there. <laughs> but um, Yes. <laughs> excellent. That didn't go wrong last season at all. Um, I think if we were to start tomorrow, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And overall... We've done really well and we've got one of the best teams in the championship. But if we want to get promoted, and the owners have said that we need to do that, then we've got to be sure of it and sign people. I don't know if Richie's sort of still on the cards. Ince is close. Probably need a new defensive midfielder because the ones we have are pretty old. Um, It could be worse, let's put it that way. But we've said that about every season we've gone into. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was on record as being quite optimistic at the start of last season for no, for no reason at all. But yeah, you go. Um, I guess I've never experienced this in my lifetime. Stoke being favourites for any competition, let alone let alone a whole league. But are we in danger of underestimating the championship? Um, no. Look... <laughs> no. What? Easy. What could go wrong? It's going to be easy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I did look at some of the other uh, Bucky's favourites uh, to win the league. There's West Brom, of course, up there, a team that have come down with us. Darren Moore seems to have instilled a bit of positivity around there. There's Leeds United under Marcelo Bielsa. There's Tony Pulis's Middlesbrough. They seem to be the favourites at the moment. Are any of them like particular worries for you, Tom? Yeah, I think um, Pulis's Middlesbrough team are probably one of those ones who you look at from what I think is like one of the poorest championships that's been going for a while. Um, 
he's just he's guaranteed to get six points from us because it's impossible for Stoke City Football Club to beat Pulis. But then aside from them, I'm not that concerned with West Brom or Swansea. They don't seem to be taking sort of the proactive right. We shouldn't be in this division. Let's get out of it as quick as we can approach that we seem to be doing. And then, you know, I doubt Bielsa's going to be in charge of Leeds come 5th of August when we play them because they have not signed anyone yet and he, uh, he must already be sort of uh, fuming under his under his little cap. Yeah. No, have it's good. On, have it's... they been on that pre-season tour to Myanmar yet? Because he might lose a few of his clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they, they survived that. In terms of taking things from pre-season friendlies... Famously, you can't do that. If you take any kind of positive or negative reaction from a pre-season friendly, you will be shot. But Eric Peters scored a goal in that lovely purple away kit. And that's got to be a good sign, right? Eric Peters in the penalty area. We're all in favour of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell how enthused I am by pre-season friendlies. I mean, they're okay. Like... They give us a bit of a taste. It's like a starter when you go for a meal when you're out. You know, you don't really want it because you know, like really, you don't need it. You just want to go straight to the main. But I mean, it's there and it gets you a bit excited. <laughs> That's all it is. I don't know what dessert is. Maybe the aftermath of last season when Lambert got sacked. That was quite funny. But surely dessert is the is the playoffs. <laughs> if we end up in the playoffs. Oh, don't no. Yeah, no. too just too much. That is, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's a good I'm analogy. That works. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> dessert always makes you feel a bit sick. Yeah, what's yeah. the point in dessert? You know, don't be greedy. Just eat your mane and eat all your mane. You know, what are we doing? I've just eaten a barbecue. Maybe this is why. <laughs> <laughs> and and a, and a cup run is like a, just a glass of wine or something with your meal, I suppose, isn't it? Maybe, but again, if, you don't want too much of that because even though it's good fun, you know, you don't it can ruin want to have too the, much it can because ruin it, the... it, well, it'll ruin your main and you just won't finish because <laughs> your head's yeah. already in the plate. It's just too much of a distraction. Um, I well, that's that transfer. That's um, that's the championship fairly well covered. I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> what is preseason? It's so dead, isn't it? Um, oh. Bojan got an assist. Yeah, that was, that was that was nice. It was actually a really nice goal. Um, and I don't think I've been able to say that about a Stoke goal that wasn't like down to one man's traction engine of a left foot um, for a long time. It was a team goal. We don't do them. So I suppose that's something positive we can take from pre-season. Mm. Uh, other positive vibes from the club pre-season. There was uh, Charlie Adam having a dig at Shakiri when Shakiri left. That was... Uh... Met positively by everyone. Um, I don't want to dwell on him too much, but speaking of uh, things that have been met with universal popular acclaim, I guess that leads us on to our transfer activity. And as I mentioned, James McLean has signed for us on a four-year deal for a fee of £5 million from a Bromwich Albion. And some people aren't happy. Um, Is that Dave? Well... <laughs> I've just I've just opened a textbook on Irish history, so I'm officially an expert now. I almost didn't want to talk about this because there's just a massive potential for a conversation, especially with you two idiots, uh, 
for a conversation on a topic like this to backfire and I'm run out of town. But um, I think it's important to get certain things across and to dispel some myths that are out there about James McLean and his beliefs. Uh, If you're completely unaware, James McLean has courted controversy in the past for refusing to wear a poppy on his shirt when November comes around and every Premier League team has a poppy symbol on their shirts. James McLean has been, to my knowledge, the only player not to wear that symbol on his shirt. And the reasons for that are uh, widely available. There's an excellent letter he wrote to Dave Whelan about this in 2014, and he's made the, these feelings known in several interviews as well. Basically, he was from Derry, and i uh, tell you what, I will read the portion of the letter to Dave Whelan, because I don't want to misrepresent the, those views. James McLean writes, I wanted to write to you before talking about this face-to-face and explain my reasons for not wearing a poppy on my shirt for the game against Bolton. I have complete respect for those who fought and died in both world wars. Many I know were Irish-born. I have been told that your grandfather Paddy Whelan from Tipperary was one of those. I mourn their deaths like every other decent person, and if the poppy was a symbol only for the lost souls of World War One and Two, I would wear one. I want to make that 100% clear you must understand this. But the poppy is used to remember other victims of other conflicts since 1945, and this is where the problem starts for me. For people from north of Ireland such as myself, and especially especially those in Derry, scene of the 1972 Bloody Sunday Massacre, the poppy has come to mean something very different. Please understand, Mr Whelan, that when you come from Cregan like myself, or the Bogside, Brandywell, or the majority of places in Derry, every person still lives in the shadow of one of the darkest days in Ireland's history. Even if, like, you, like me, you were born 20 years after the event, it is just a part of who we are, ingrained to us from birth. For me to wear a poppy would be as much a gesture of disrespect for the innocent people who lost their lives in the Troubles, and Bloody Sunday especially, as I have been in the past being accused of disrespecting the victims of World War One and Two. It would be seen as an act of disrespect to those people, to my people. I'm not a warmonger, anti-British or a terrorist or any of the accusations levelled at me in the past. I'm a peaceful guy. I believe everyone should live side by side, whatever their religious or political beliefs, and I which I respect and ask for people to respect mine in return. Right. So those are his views out there. Unfortunately, um, that does not satisfy some people. And I guess it's... uh, One thing I want to make clear is it's okay to not agree with James McLean's position on the poppy. And it's okay not to like that as a personal choice. But where I want to just make make things clear right away is we've had tweets uh, to the Wizards of Drivel account in the last 24 hours, so, one of which was, so if he supported ISIS, would that be okay? And uh, accusing him of being uh, pro-terrorism, pro-IRA, all the rest of it. And I just think that that attitude needs to be knocked on the head straight away. Um and I also realise that these this is three lads on a podcast, none of whom have, <laughs> none of whom experienced the troubles, and none of whom, you know, have had, you know, huge involvement in the issue 
apart from when it comes up in this football context, which is frankly ridiculous. I think there are certain people who are out there to cause trouble with this issue. And I've noticed a lot of talk to the effect of signing McLean will divide the fan base. But what that says to me is that people want the fan base divided over this. They want to push their own agendas and they want to basically cause arguments, usually just people on the internet getting their own position across. And it's fine, have hold your opinions, but don't jump off the deep end and accuse people of being pro-terrorism when they're not, accuse people of being anti-British, accuse people of wanting to stir things up by supporting James McLean, who now plays for Stoke City. That's pretty much all I've got to say. Uh, Tom, what has your experience been uh, of these these past 24 hours? Because they've been uh, they've been fun. Yeah, yeah, you say fun. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing that I'd say to anyone who sort of feels that as a signing it's going against sort of the ethos of the area or anything like that is to genuinely just go and read what McLean's wrote, watch the videos, the interviews he's done, especially the one that was on the Wizards Facebook page yesterday. I watched that last night and I think he's clearly a bloke who's just sort of, he's not doing it to sort of wind anyone up or or piss anyone off. He's genuinely got these views and he feels if he was to go against them, he'd be being insincere to who he is as a person. And I think we've, we've got to respect that. And especially something that he's talked about is how sort of the criticism he's had and and the booing, especially from his own fans, etc., that's come at times, has really affected him as a footballer. And, okay, I understand that there's, there's important principles in life that you can't put things in front of, but the display of a poppy on a football shirt, which is a whole other discussion as to whether or not that's an appropriate thing and needs to be happened. But is that really something to put ahead of Stoke City as a football club succeeding. I don't think it is. For me, I'm, I'm fine with sort of someone taking their views. Um, and I don't think we should really be getting onto the back of someone who could be an important person in getting Stoke City back into the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, first, let me make this clear. Like, I personally don't really mind the fact that he doesn't wear a poppy. But then that's only because that's not my place, I don't think, to judge on that. And I don't think it's upon anyone's reason to sort of make him bad and dissuade him from making his decisions. Like, we all have our own decisions. And by sort of chanting his name in a negative way, or you fight other people in the stands because of what you fight for. You know, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. You were bang on with what you said before, Dave, about, you know, James McLean is well with within his rights not to wear a poppy and anyone else as well within their right to disagree but to proactively go against this you know you're not helping anybody you're not achieving anything apart from negative vibes people getting hurt for no reason I just think you know if you have your own views on James McLean absolutely fine and stick with them but don't just please try and be an adult about it. Yeah. Like I, I think that's the main thing here. We don't want fighting. You can completely disagree. 
completely disagree with what he says, but if you chant his name negatively in the crowd, you're doing nothing good apart from hurting your team. You won't achieve anything. You won't change his mind. If he goes back home to Ireland and says, oh, I've changed my mind. I'm wearing a poppy. He can't win either way because he gets slated. So, yeah, he's he's not going to change his mind. Yeah, there is a... There is a the the question of like, does politics need to be involved in football? Like, why can't they just say separate? Which I totally understand the principle of. I understand like football should be on a separate plane to politics. But as we know, like even look at the last World Cup, like that is sometimes unfortunately, sometimes fortunately, inseparable. Like the Jordan Shakiri celebration for Switzerland against Serbia. That was football and politics combining, and regardless of whether Shakiri was right or wrong, you are going to have individuals and individual moments where uh, a player or a manager or a group of fans will do something that you don't like. And the important thing is to make sure that that isn't taken out of context. James James McLean isn't a politician. He 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 isn't asking to be put on a different moral moral plane to the rest of the Premier League. He's not asking for status. He's not doing it for attention. He's doing it because he believes in this. And this situation is kind of only happening because of um, the decision by the FA that, or decision by the clubs that all players must wear a poppy uh, unless they opt out, which is a whole different thing. But if you're suggesting that McLean is deliberately foisting his politics on football, I would argue that if that is the case, if not wearing a poppy is a political symbol, then feasibly you could argue that wearing a poppy is a political symbol, which I don't really believe. But if if how can one be politics and the other not be politics is kind of my point. So... Um, I just wanted to leave it there because that's one side of it. And the other side of it, after all this time, is James McLean is a footballer. And what there has also been an undercurrent of is, I don't care what his political views are, I don't think he's a very good footballer. Which is, I suppose, fair enough. But Tom, um, you've been looking at McLean kind of from a defensive standpoint because I know a lot of people aren't really impressed with his uh, attacking contribution certainly in terms of raw statistics of goals and assists so uh, what what do we know about McLean and what kind of asset will he be for Stoke so yeah he's 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 not got that massive output of sort of goals and assists but what I was looking at is sort of the defensive contributions he makes in a match whether that be sort of fouling someone up the pitch because that has a value of preventing an attack or something like that and he seems to be the kind of player who Rowett really wants to sort of do that the water carrying out wide and really contribute to that press and make sure that Stoke can stay high up the pitch so he's sort of quite a selfless player and a player I feel a lot of Stoke fans have been calling out for recently who will sort of when the going gets tough, James McLean won't won't disappear. He will be there running as much as he can and sort of putting the hard work in, which has maybe been lacking, um, especially in those wider areas over the past few uh, seasons. So I think he's 
Well, he's not a, a signing who you're going to sort of get excited about and be talking to your friends about being like, oh my God, Stoke has signed James McLean. We're going to win the championship with 138 points, which we are going to do anyway. But he, he's, a, he's a signing who, who I think the club needs sort of to get back to that, to the, to the things we've had before and that have definitely been lacking. So he's, a, he's not an outstanding signing, but I'd certainly say it's a good one. Yeah, Ben, uh, McLean obviously dividing opinions on two fronts, but uh, he's. do you see him starting for us? And if so, like where where would he play? Would he play at the uh, kind of attacking left midfield role or will, will Tom Ince play there? Um, it's interesting isn't it? because it sounds like Ince has come in as a replacement for Richie almost because of trouble with Newcastle and whatever they're doing and stuff like that. So it sounds like Ince might be playing on the right side, perhaps, if he's able to play on both sides. So you'd assume from that McLean's playing on the left or whether Chupo's playing there instead. I have no idea. Personally, I don't want him to start. I'm not a fan of James McLean as a footballer, personally. Um, but it, <laughs> I'm not the manager of Stoke City. If Rowett can get something out of him, then fair enough. If he- if he If he wants to lord all of the... Uh, numerical pressure of goals and assists on people like Afobe and perhaps Ince and whether Bojan's in the team or Atebo and people like that, that's fine. If that's his plan, okay. But if he's brought McLean into the team to be part of that sort of getting goals and assists, I very much doubt that he'll achieve that based on his you know his previous seasons. But I could be wrong. He might work in Rowett's system. I'm hoping, judging the fact that Rowett's chasing for ages, and we've been a club in this window to move from A to B targets. He's been Rowett's A target from day one, by the sounds of it. So he must be important for some reason, but I can't see that. But then I'm not a football manager, and I'm not intelligent enough to be a football manager. So <laughs> that's let's the first. That's the f- that is the first time anyone in this podcast has had the decency to admit that. Um, <laughs> I'm not intelligent enough to be a football manager, and I think James McLean isn't very good. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that that is that is fair enough. Yeah, um, I guess uh, for a kind of attitude and character point of view there is kind of a lot to like about James McLean in that he is a very hard-working industrious if a bit limited footballer and he might be who knows he might be the one to re-spark some of that spirit of 2008 kind of vibe where everyone was just running around like lunatics working really hard for each other having massive scraps in the dressing room which according to Ricardo for Liam Lawrence seemed to be an important part of Uh, that team Um, yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it works out and again how much of a role he plays in the first team but uh, it certainly seems like uh, Tom Ince is the is the exciting one of the two signings the the big ticket player Um, obviously Tom Ince has yet to put pen to paper John Percy is saying he's had a medical at Stoke today but uh, I've always thought Tom Ince was a bit shit. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> that's partly fueled due to his. Uh, I think he snubbed us when he was at Blackpool, and his dad wanted to tout him out to Inter Milan, and uh, kind of not fulfilling the promise of uh, 
certainly his dad's expectations, which is unfair when your dad is Paul Ince, I suppose. But, um, yeah, Tom Ince, £10 million championship. We're spending £10 million on an attacking player in the championship, which not many championship clubs will do this season. So, I mean, he's got it's got to be a good deal, hasn't it, Tom? Yeah, Tom Ince um, absolutely loves goals in the championship. Um, he got sort of in the past three seasons he's been in it. He's sort of got I think it's like at least ten plus in every one, and he gets a, a heap load of assists. I don't know why it hasn't worked out at Huddersfield for him. Um, he's been playing sort of as like a number ten, which he hasn't seemed to do much in his career before. But in the championship, he sort of takes that Shakiri role. But if Shakiri wasn't a creator and was sort of more of a finisher, he bursts in from the right wing and normally puts some finishes away. I mean, um, the one that springs out is that goal he scored for Derby against Forest um, two seasons ago, just because the mental in that away end was a bit crazy and his finish was very good as well. So, no, yeah, I really like Ince. I actually prefer Ince for 10 million than Richie for 15, I think, um, just because, I don't know, Richie's just getting on a bit and, yeah, he's proven and stuff. But, you know, I like exciting things. Ben, do you like exciting things? I do like exciting things. Whether Paul Ince, not Paul Ince, Tom Ince is an exciting <laughs> thing. We all know that Paul Ince oh, used to be an exciting Paul Ince would be an exciting signing. Yeah, well, he, if we <laughs> signed Paul Ince as he was, yeah. I think there'd be, well, no, there wouldn't be more controversy than James McLean, would there? But there we go. Um, yeah, Tom Ince is alright, I guess. I mean, I think, like a. I was saying before, he's a B target rather than the A target of Richie, I think. Um, probably won't be quite as quality as what Richie was. Uh, perhaps that jump that we've been talking about before from maybe getting promoted from the Championship back to the Premier League, is he going to be as effective? Mm, we'll see. Maybe with a bit more development, I suppose. Uh, but I think Tom was right. You know, For value for money, this is a much better deal, you know, Less transfer fee has to be less wages, surely you'd imagine. Uh, more longevity in the player for the fact that he's much younger than Richie. Uh, so it's probably more of a gamble than what, than what Richie was. So that's exciting because we all want gambles when we're trying to get automatic promotion. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> so uh, oh, I just pray. I pray that he that he does well because like I said before I can't see McLean if he's starting on that left wing I can't see him adding up any goals or assists personally so it's got to be between him Afobe and the attacking midfield so pressure's on him a little bit you know he's probably not had that too much before you know he has to perform this season if he's going to sign for us and do well you know he's going to be a starter he's going to be replacing Shakiri effectively so. Or, or has he not effectively replaced Ramadan Sobi, who is, of course, now at Huddersfield? It's, you, it's, it's, it's so strange, isn't it? Because he's costing five million more, and you know, apart from maybe the fact that Ramadan wants to leave and Premier, and then go back to the Premier League, you know, f- for what? Like, we know that Ramadan was a bit um, iffy sometimes with his decision making and stuff like that, but he was, you know, a young prospect and. When you compare literally the same deal between two clubs, oh, I don't know. I can't make financial sense of it completely, but I don't know. It's a strange one, isn't it? 
I just pray that he does well. I really do. I think he's going to be pivotal. If he does well, we've got a good chance of getting promoted. And speaking of getting promoted, we'll be doing our pre season predictions uh, after a interview I had with Ali Maxwell from Not The Top 20. I'm now joined by Ali Maxwell from the Not The Top 20 podcast. First of all, Ali, if you could tell us a bit about your podcast. So we set up in my front room about two and a half years ago, George Alec and myself. Uh, we're old friends, actually. We went to school together when we were about eight, nine, ten years old. And, and it was a friendship forged in uh, and with an obsession for football, I think, as all the best friendships are, of course. George is a big Oxford United fan. So obviously I, I followed them as well through him and, and various other teams and EFL football's just always been the thing that we've loved the most. And as we grew older, the conversations didn't stop. Going to games together didn't stop. We, you know, we're trying to beat the bookies. We're trying to predict the, the brightest young things and just constantly discussing everything happening below the Premier League. So it seemed an obvious thing for us to try. We both fancied getting into broadcasting and we weren't getting really the reps in, I guess, in our day-to-day jobs. And we just wondered if people would enjoy listening to us talk about the Football League as much as we enjoy talking about it with each other and and to some extent people have and um, we've had a great two and a half years with a couple of award nominations and good growth and now we've got a a really excellent um, group of of listeners and we owe a lot to them and we've had some some recently especially some really good opportunities that have come from it so uh, you know still very much enjoying it as much as we were at the start just loving talking about the Football League and you know, really excited to be considered some of the the people that people want to listen to and and who people sort of trust uh, to be well-researched and to speak with passion, but also from a a place of knowledge. And I think that's um, a responsibility for us now and one that we take quite seriously. It's been a long time since Stoke were in the Championship, 10 years in fact. What do you think the biggest changes, if any, have been since we've been away? I think there have been plenty of changes over the last decade and I'm sure you'll notice them over the course of the season if you can remember that far back of course. For me one of the things that I've noticed over the last even over the last three or four years is the change in style of football I think generally throughout the league and it's not to say that some of the more old school more traditionally British styles of play do not exist in the championship it's just I think that the number of them has been reduced And I think that we see across the leagues different ways of playing, different formations, but also different sort of philosophies. And, you know, there are teams who defend incredibly well and counterattack brilliantly. There are teams that prefer to be in possession. And sometimes those teams also have solid defences and sometimes they struggle a little with with direct play against them. So there's really no right or, or wrong way of doing things at championship level, as we can see from the three teams that were promoted last season, obviously. Wolves played a very modern sort of 3-4-3, basically copying Chelsea from the previous season, and that worked brilliantly. No one really knew how to deal with that combination of, of exceptional width that the wing-backs give you, um, the, the creativity of the sort of inside forwards, and also three at the back, giving them a, a pretty solid back line as well. I think teams just didn't really have an answer to that. Generally, it's mostly still 
you know, a 4-2-3-1, uh, in some cases a 4-4-2, a 4-3-3, 4-5-1, all that sort of stuff. But with some foreign managers in the league as well now, we've seen lots of different styles and it means that week to week and match to match, you're probably coming up against something a little bit different. And I think that's different probably to 10 years ago when um, the, the style of play was a little more uniform. And of course, there were um, teams, individual teams with different styles. But that would be the main change for me over the last few years that I've noticed. Um, and obviously the quality of play as well. I, I just think that players are better now and it's not unique to the championship of course but I do think that the quality on offer in the championship is fantastic and of course it's not the top top level but I really do think that as um, as an entertainment product it's far better than the Premier League um, the stories week to week are more interesting more diverse the results less predictable I think from a from a pure fan perspective um, if you forget what level you're at I think the fan experience is is arguably better being a fan in, in the championship than in the Premier League. Obviously, Wolves, Fulham and Cardiff City were the teams promoted from the Championship last season. Do you think they were the three teams that deserved to go up? And does the cream usually rise to the top over the course of a 46-game season? I definitely think that Wolves, Cardiff and Fulham were the teams that deserved to reach the Premier League based on their performances last season. I touched on it in, in, a, in a different answer, but... It made me really happy and really excited that these were three teams that went about things the different ways. Um, None of them were enjoying large parachute payments. So these were three teams set up in different ways, but ultimately to be exceptional in this division. And I think that's really, really exciting. The fact that that can still happen. Um, None of the three teams relegated from the Premier League went back up to the Premier League. And of course, this is a division that's very lopsided in terms of finances and uh, quite hard to follow as well in terms of which clubs have money, which clubs can spend money, which clubs have spent too much money and now need to spend much less money. And it can be very hard to keep track of. But ultimately, if you just try, well, if if you don't want to bother even learning about that stuff and you want to focus on the football, then it is still unpredictable. And, you know, these three teams were not the favourites at the start of the season. Um, But I think all of them in, in different ways put together Um, brilliant promotion campaigns Fulham obviously starting slow but by the end you know pretty much unanimously considered to be the best footballing side in the league Wolves just a a winning juggernaut more or less for the whole season and just had some players not just the foreign players that they brought in but some other players that were fantastic as well players like uh, Connor Cody and Cardiff were a brilliant example of of how supposedly um, I suppose uh, unexciting football can still be just the right way to go, depending on your group of players. And there's no doubt that the most thrilling thing about Cardiff last season was the fact that Neil Warnock, who's just been there and done it, such a character, a real lightning rod for a lot of hate as well, of course, for rival fans. But the way that he was able to get that Cardiff squad promoted was nothing short of absolutely sensational. And I think it was probably a good thing for them that Fulham didn't catch them. I think they would have found it harder in the playoffs, um, certainly in the final if they'd come up against Villa. Uh, they they probably would have found that more difficult than Fulham did, but um, th- that that wasn't the case. You know, forty six games is is I believe enough really, um, and in almost every instance, the best three teams will go up. Um, certainly in the automatic places, and 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 you sort of hope sometimes with the playoffs as well. And that was definitely the case last season. Obviously, pre season predictions make mugs of us all, but who are you looking at at the moment in terms of promotion from the championship? Promotion contenders, it, tough one to be really sure about at this stage, um, partly due to the slightly uncertain nature of some of the relegated teams from the Premier League and 
Although I would count Stoke in that, I think that West Brom and Swansea are in a slightly more difficult situation as it stands. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount going on in terms of recruitment um, out or in for either. And there are definitely concerns at West Brom about who's sort of running the show there and how much support they're giving to Darren Moore, of course, taking his first permanent managerial job. Obviously, Stoke are the bookies' favourite. And I think that's merited. Um, Of the existing teams that uh, uh, were in the championship last season. Of course, we're all sort of slightly intrigued by Nottingham Forest. Um, There's a touch of the Wolverhampton Wanderers about their recruitment this summer. Um, It remains to be seen whether some of their young Portuguese talent will be quite as influential as the likes of Ruben Neves. But, um, you know, and Willy Bolly and players like that who were just fantastic for them last season. There's no doubt that it looks like they're building a pretty formidable squad um, Ito Karanka is someone that we consider to be a, a, a good defensive coach and somewhat lacking uh, in terms of putting together a decent attacking side. But with the talent he's got at his disposal, perhaps that will sort of solve that issue or, or the perceived issue that we have about him on that side of the, the pitch. And, you know, his teams are always excellent defensively and it looks like they're set up to, to have a pretty solid back line this season. Um, I'm not going to predict them to be automatically promoted. Um, I'm looking at Middlesbrough and waiting to see how well they start the season. I think after Tony Pulis came in, they were still only the sixth best team in the league last year. So it wasn't like he came in and turned everything around entirely. Um, And they were very, very disappointing in the playoffs. But there is still that part of you that thinks a little bit like Warnock's Cardiff last season. Um, and, And with arguably more quality, more star players, that if they can keep Adama Traore... Borough probably will be certainly in the top five and six and possibly pushing a little higher than they did last year up for automatics. With Leeds and Bielsa, you just don't know. They've only played one friendly so far. They haven't made many signings. Um, I'm pretty excited to see what Bielsa can do for that Leeds team and and, and excited to see how that style of football really sort of goes, I guess, at at championship level. Um, And I'm looking at teams like Brentford and Preston, not necessarily as the most obviously talented teams, but teams that we liked last season, who probably finished seventh between 7th and 10th, who I think are just very settled, who appear to have done their business quite early, um, who have good players, who are improving all the time, and I think in Dean Smith and Alex Neil, pretty good managers as well. So I kind of think there's, there's sort of potential for one of those teams to hit the ground running at the start of the season. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if, if that is the case, whether they can stay the course. But um, Stoke obviously looking very strong. And I think that, you know, from a neutral standpoint, I don't think that, well, I think it would be a, a, a bit of a failure, to be honest, to be anything lower than third or fourth come the end of the season. To start the season, you know, it, it is still a bit up in the air, it seems. Um, the signings of Atebo and Afobe look fantastic. Um, there's been money raised through sales and it strikes me that there are plenty more players that probably need to be got rid of in order to to readdress um, sort of imbalance harmony in the squad. But I can't see Stoke not being strong. Um, I th- I saw a sort of predicted starting eleven the other day that looked incredibly strong. I'd love to see Imbula stay in the squad and, and playing alongside Joe Allen and with some of the attacking players ahead of them and a Fobe probably scoring 20 goals, I would imagine. Uh, I think that you're looking in pretty good nick, I must say, uh, out of all the relegated teams, for sure. Personal taste now, what are your favourite championship grounds to visit? 
In terms of grounds, I like visiting. I'll go with Villa Park and Hillsborough uh, out of the big ones. Obviously, setting the Britannia to one side because that's uh, clearly the best one. Um, yeah, Villa Park and, and Hillsborough, I've had good trips there. Um, I like Fulham and Brentford. Uh, Brentford, obviously, you've got the terracing still there. Um, they've got to move to a new stadium in, in next season, but uh, still a great place to go. So definitely get down to Griffin Park if you haven't already this season. Um, and Fulham as well. I feel like that's a, a lot of people's favourite away day uh, in the Championship just because it's in a nice part of town. Um, you can get on the booze cruise down the river and um, not too hard to get out of London as well afterwards. So um, all sorts of good reasons to like Fulham. Um, I think those are probably four of my favourites, yeah. And finally, how do I find Quest on my TV? Yeah, so I don't know the exact channel numbers, but it's on Freeview. Uh, it's on your Skybox, obviously, as well, and your BT and Virgin, I'm sure, too. So uh, it's accessible to everyone, just as much as uh, Channel 5 was, just as much as BBC was before then, I think. Uh, I'm not sure what their sort of online option will be, but hopefully they'll have some sort of catch-up uh, channel in case you don't catch it live. But I'm going to go to bat for it, actually. Um, I'm very biased because I... Um, work in TV production. I worked on the show for Channel 5. Uh, it's possible that I might work on the show uh, for Quest as well in, in, in some form. So, um, yeah, I think from my point of view, uh, I understand why the lack of a traditional channel hosting it uh, might be cause for some sort of mirth. But uh, realistically, it doesn't really matter what channel it's on. Uh, the thing that matters more than that is the production company that makes the show for the channel um, and that's the same across all tv really if you've got the right production company making it for the channel then they're probably going to make it quite well so i think that this will be no frills i think that it'll show the efl highlights in in the best way possible um you know they have to turn that around between 5 p.m and 9 p.m and it's incredibly difficult task and it's you know by no means simple technologically um in terms of logistics in terms of everything so uh, I think it'll be perfectly good, and I am very much looking forward to watching it. Okay, welcome back. It's time for us to make idiots of ourselves, where we kind of have a go at predicting uh, how Stoke are going to do this season in the Championship, uh, and uh, I'll be letting uh, Ben Cartwright and Chris Brammer have a go when they return from their mysterious, uh, suspicious holidays. Um, I think they've just left... And we'll be joining another rival podcast soon for a massive, grossly inflated transfer fee. But we've got some rejects from the bear pit, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're the real A team. This is the, uh, the, the. These are the new signings that have caused massive divisions in our Twitter accounts. Um, pre-season predictions. Then uh, I've. Not put a lot of thought into these because, to be honest, I don't know the championship very well at all. I'll be passing myself off as an expert in due course, but um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really know what's going to happen. Which I guess is kind of the point of predictions. Uh, the first thing, the first category we're going to predict is Stoke City's final league position, and. I suppose there's only one acceptable answer, isn't there, Tom? Where are we going to finish? Yeah, um, uh, first. There's, there's, no, there's, there's no chance we don't win this league. <laughs> there's no chance we don't win this league. Okay. Ben? We're going to win the league. It, it, it's, it's coming home. 
Oh no. Oh no. Oh no, that's it. We're not finishing first The meme can't die. The meme can't die. It's got to carry on for another nine months. You know what? I'm going to say that Stoke are not. Stoke are going to be typical Stoke, and we're not going to get first place. And I also want to have a bit of leeway in revisiting this podcast in May if things have not gone exactly to plan. So I'm going to say Stoke are going to finish third. I'm Dave, going to say, what the hell are you doing? I'm, I'm, I <laughs> well, know that's no, the, no. The, that's the classic wizards of drivel negativity, but it's also I don't want to have this show beat all three of us predict first and then <laughs> just because it, 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 things can only be a disappointment if if you if you do that. I don't know. 138 points won't be a disappointment. <laughs> oh dear. We're going to win the league, Dave. You could have at least Come said on. second, you massive plastic. That sort of attitude <laughs> ain't getting us anywhere. If you believe that we will win the league, we will win the league. Yeah. Right. Positive mental that, attitude. So it, it, it's actually people like you why we won't win this league. So you're a bad fan, and I'd rather you not come to the games. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, no. See, at least in the Premier League, you had a reason to be negative. Uh, th- but me, me suggesting that Stoke <laughs> finished third, third in a league of 24 teams, is gross negativity. That's a playoff spot, that. And we're not going to win him because we're Stoke City, and that's why we have to be sure of this. I said before, no gambles. <laughs> Unless you're putting money on Stoke to win the league, then you can gamble there. We're going right? to uh, we're going to Wembley anyway because I'm sure we're going to next save. And you know what the answer to that's going to be? Right, if you say we're going to win the FA Cup, <laughs> no, don't be stupid. No, that'd be we're the final. We'll lose in the final, but we're going <laughs> to. Right, yeah. The next two categories are how Stoke are going to do in the League Cup and FA Cup. Uh, Will we give a flying toss about these competitions under Gary Rowett with the sole aim of uh, reaching that illustrious third place in the in the championship? How are we going to do in the Cups, Ben? We're not going to be bothered, yeah. I don't think. Uh, I don't know what Rowett's like in the Cups, actually. Because uh, I know some managers have sort of an attitude towards it where some... Well, Hughes claimed he really used to like the cup, so he always put his best teams out. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, and then, I don't know, some people, I can't think of who, there's been managers in the Premier League before that have said, oh, the cup competition is not that important, you know, it's about the league place. Uh, so I don't know what row it's like, but I can imagine that, given the fact that I don't think our squad's particularly deep in terms of quality almost, like if a Fobe gets injured, for example, we're relying on, well, I won't speak his name, but uh, not yet anyway, not until he scores. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to care about the cup and we're going to play some really sort of rotated teams. Or they might be better being rotated being in the championship. Uh, we're going to... No, we're not going to go to Wembley, are we? We're going to reach the quarterfinal in one of them and bomb out in the first round or whatever it is in the other. Okay, are you, you feeling similar about the cups, Tom? Yeah, I've got a really weird suspicion that in one of them, despite resting a load of players, we're going to be coming up against teams who've equally rested a load of players 
and somehow because of the massive momentum that winning literally every single league game gives you, we'll stumble our way along to a semi-final somewhere. Yeah, no, nice. that's not going to happen. No, that that oh. we get we're, we're probably losing the first round of both of them. Apart from the Johnson's paint trophy, the important one where Check the under twenty threes are going to do it. Same thing. <laughs> Hey, um, I, I'm I'm well up for going to Morecambe away in the Checker Trade Trophy. So yeah, how's that for your plastic? Um, <laughs> oh God! I, I oh. yeah, I don't think we're going to do anything in the League Cups either. I'll say uh, third round League Cup, fourth round FA Cup exits. But yeah, the Checker Trade it's where it's at. If we yeah, if we won that competition for a third time uh, with our under twenty threes. You know, Charlie Adams such a great influence on the young kids as well, so obviously he's going to play a massive part in that campaign. Uh, you know, Lassa Sorensen, Julian and Goy, tournament top scorer. Things are going to be good. Oh, it's under 21s, isn't it? So it are we still talking about no, the Jeffrey Trade? We still play. Like, are we still talking about it? Can we just, you know, does anybody really care? I don't think Why? even uh, the Sentinel care because I think Pete Smith's trying to get me to uh, be be the match report guy from the Trade Games. Clearly not being taken seriously at all. But if you are interested, we're playing Morecambe, Carlisle and Sunderland. Um, so yeah, back to the the important stuff. Who is our top goal scorer going to be next season? Is it going to be Saido Berahino? Is it going to be Eric Chupomoting? Or is it going to be that lad we signed from Wolves? You nearly said his name there. You nearly said his name. You said Eric. Just pick the wrong one. Eric Peters is going to <laughs> bomb in and no. uh, yeah, Afobe looks to be the absolute business for just scoring goals in the championship. So, not to put a load of pressure on him because obviously he's a massive fan of the podcast and he listens every week. But I'm expecting sort of 15 plus, maybe even 20 plus from him this season. Yeah, Ben, I think this one's a bit straightforward, isn't it, in terms of top goal score well, predictions? Well, I'm going to say, because he's going to do his cruciate against Brentford, that oh, right. it's probably going to be Bojan. <laughs> Who, wait, who's <laughs> going to do the cruciate? A Fobe or Bojan? Oh, God, now you may be... Oh, both of them. And both. it's going to be um, <laughs> in the same game, because they tackled each other. And it's going to be... Um, Bauer! Oh, can you imagine Bauer top goal scorer? Oh. <sighs> I'm going to go Bauer top goal scorer because Bauer. I'll, I'll New season, how many wrong. goals for Gene Alley and Bueller? <laughs> Maybe Moritz Bauer will be played on the wing again like he was under Paul Lambert and that's how we'll score all those goals. We'll be thanking Paul Lambert at the end of this season for converting Bauer into a, a right-wing goal machine. <laughs> Not right-wing. <laughs> right <wing>, but... <laughs> I didn't realise Moritz's political views. Um, next category is... Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say a phobia. Obviously, uh, next category is player of the season. Um, yeah, this isn't always interesting one to predict. Who'd have thought uh, two seasons ago that we would have said it was Lee Grant who would have walked away with all of Stoke's player of the season trophies? But you know how things work out. Uh, who is the player of the season gonna be this season, Tom? Um, Etibo. I think because he's sort of got that combination of, oh my God, he's everywhere and has some clear technical ability. I mean, for for a bloke to sort of outshine Lionel Messi, that doesn't happen very often. So, 
yeah, I think Etebo will win it, which means that because of how the past few Player of the Season trophies have gotten, um, Josh Tymon will probably pick it up because Eric Peters gets injured soon and Tymon fills in and does an okay job. Nice. Ben, uh, where's your instinct telling you uh, Player of the Season's going to go to? Well, we're not conceding any goals this year, Dave. I've just decided. So it's going to be Butland because he's going to stay. <laughs> So Butland is. I, did, I didn't I'm, ask I'm, you I'm absolute, who West Ham's no. player of the season would be. No, 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 no. I'm doubling down. Butland is going to be Stoke City's player of the season because he's staying. We're winning the league, and he's not going to cede any goals. Interesting. Come on, it's not like <laughs> me to double down. I'm normally a fence at it, so come on. I'm just thinking what's happened to this podcast. You both said we're going to win the league at a canter. Jack Butland's going to stay. Like it's just it's just not right. I need to bring this down. There's got to be no player of the season. The awards will be cancelled because we've had such a terrible not time. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think um, someone who is already establishing himself as a fan's favourite is, of course, Moritz Bauer. Uh, he's uh, recently joined Twitter. Seems just seems a lovely guy, and obviously his performances at the end of last season were very encouraging as well. He could be a real, real. Uh, key man in in kind of def- defense and attack, and I think in the championship as well. Like having that like um, that kind of backup weapon, if you like, in our attack in Arsenal of a, a proper overlapping fullback who had, can deliver the ball very well, has got pace, and again, like I said, he's he's already got a lot of the fans on side. I think Moritz Bauer could be. Uh, could be one of the guys who wins it. Well, who knows? Maybe it will be James McLean after all. And no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that like like bit in The Simpsons who said, "Oh, I'll catch nah. you, Peter Burr. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just being silly, Dave. Come on. Yeah. Um, okay, so our three promoted teams from the championship this season. This is a chance for us to really expose our lack of knowledge on this league. So obviously you two have both said Stoke are winning the league, but uh, Tom, what two are going to join us uh, in the top flight at the end of the season? Uh, our, our Middlesbrough. I think we've already said that Pulis seems to really have his um, his stuff together with them. And then I, I don't know who I fancy to win the playoffs. I've sort of got an inkling to say Brentford because they were looking really good towards the end of the season and haven't lost anyone aside from that bloke who went to Derby, whose name I definitely can't say. Um, So, yeah, no, I'll go with um, Borough and Brentford. And Ben, uh, who's going to finish second and win the playoffs if Soka, of course, winning the league? Um, well, I'm having to look at the league table. This is how much research I've done. Um, I'm going to go for... He's going to go for Chelsea, Man City. <laughs> no, and he says Reading. Silly. I'm going to be don't really be excited. <laughs> um, Wait, who saying... are these teams? I'm just looking at these teams now. <laughs> who are they? Rotterham? What? <laughs> Millwall? What? what the? You just made up these teams. There's two teams in Sheffield. Don't what? Where's um, Sheffield? <laughs> what's a Sheffield? Uh, no, we're going to go for... Um, I agree with Tom, actually, for second place. And I think Swansea are going to win the playoffs because of 
the Graham Harry Potter power. So, yeah, we'll go for Swansea winning the playoffs. Mm. Now, obviously, I think Stoke are going to win the playoffs this season because uh, I think we're, we're destined a happy day out at Wembley. We haven't had one of them in a while. Um, I think West Brom are going to win the league. There you go, I've said it. Now they've got rid of that troublemaker, James McLean. <laughs> they've got Sido Berahino off their books. They've, they've basically chipped off all their crap players to us. Darren Moore's uh, just a good bloke who you don't want to mess with, so... Uh, I think they're going to win the league. How? Yeah, how's this? How, how does it feel listening to me just talk up West Brom? Um, so, yeah, them for first. And second place, Derby. No, no, I can't do that. I can't go that far. Um, see you what, Nottingham Forest have spent a lot of money. West Brom, Forest and Stoke uh, are going to get promoted this season. And um, if you thought that was uninformed, how about our three to be relegated? Um I've no idea, to be honest. I'm looking at the bookies' favourites now. Bolton seem about right to me. They seem like they're always just about to get relegated from the Championship whenever uh, I've checked on the table in previous years. QPR, they're probably due a relegation, to be honest. Nobody really likes them. And speaking of teams nobody really likes, I'll just pick Reading because, you know what, I do not want to go to Reading, if at all possible. So, yeah... Bolton, QPR, Reading. Tom? Uh, I, I agree with two of them. I, I think Bolton, from the sounds of it, are terrible and are going down. Same with Reading. And I think, to be a bit controversial, my third place team are is between, um, it's between Leeds and Dave's choice for championship winners, West Brom. <laughs> what? Oh, God. The I third and sixth like... favourites to be promoted. Are you saying yeah. both are going down? Well, well, Leeds won't be sixth favourites to be promoted when their manager leaves <laughs> on the Friday before the season starts. Um, I can guarantee <laughs> that. And then they're going to be left with a squad that's not very good, has not had a pre-season training for sort of whatever the next manager comes in and wants to do. And also, I pick West Brom because I just really don't like West Brom. Um, and it'd be funny for them to go down twice. So, yeah. <laughs> they're, but, they're, they will be saying exactly the same thing about us. So, uh, <laughs> that'd be nice. Uh, ben, Ben, who's going down from the championship? Who who, wow. who are we going to enjoy beating 6-0? Because that would be an unexpected bonus of, of this amazing title-winning season we're going to go on. Is We could dish out some proper hammerings. We haven't done that since Liverpool. So, you know, what what teams are we taking to the cleaners? Well, I've got a bowl here with 21 balls in it, and I'm going to pick it. <laughs> no. Um, so, <laughs> no, I'm just going to go, because I, I, I'm not going to lie, I don't have a clue. So I'm going to go with three teams who I have a small vendetta against. I'm going to go with Derby, because screw you, Derby. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with Rotherham, because the Chocolate Brothers aren't going to keep them up. (laughs) And I'm going to go with Wigan, because my flatmate at uni for my first year was from Wigan. uh, And he said that by the time I left uni, we'd be in the same league as him. And he was right. So I'm going to go with that. (laughs) No, there you go. That was like that bit in the in-betweeners with Burnley on the coach. <laughs> we love you, Burnley. <laughs> no, don't sing that on here. Yeah, they're a Premier League team. We, 
This is only about the pure football of the championship. And how are Burnley in the Premier League and we're not? Burnley are in oh. Europe. Oh, for goodness! <laughs> yeah, they're in Europe. Right? What has happened? Right. What has happened to football? <laughs> that that's the end of the Wizards of Dribble podcast for this week. <laughs> oh, Mate, God. that's my job. Do you want to just go through the championship and just slag off every single team? Because I can't. I don't know enough about them. (laughs) Oh, there we go. That's one. You don't need to know anything about them to slag them off. It's easy. Have you been to a football match? You know, there's plenty of people (laughs) slagging about Stoke for two seasons. Have you heard Charlie Adams speak? He will happily slag off (laughs) everything he doesn't understand. Um, so yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's slag off all twenty-three other championship teams. Uh, Rotherham. Oh, we're doing this. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, There's Ro- too many teams in Yorkshire. Rotherham can go. Yeah, Bolton. Uh, Paddy McGuinness. <laughs> Ipswich. <laughs> uh, Where's Ipswich? Uh, That's not a real place. Exactly. It's too far away. QPR. Yeah. QPR, uh, Peter Odenwingi ruined his career and he's had to come to Stoke and he's a lovely bloke. So, yeah, Odenwingi. Yeah, Sodom. Hull. Hull? They're just bad, aren't they? <laughs> Reading. <laughs> most, Reading boring, in, bo- most boring team in the league. Um, <laughs> Blackburn. Um, uh, Alan Shearer doesn't play uh, football anymore. Do something else. <laughs> Birmingham. Uh, they nearly knocked us out in the cup that time and we had to go to penalties oh yeah Millwall obvious reasons Wigan Mill <laughs> uh, <laughs> Will Grieg isn't on fire good Aston Villa oh don't even get me started on Villa they your, your owners probably abuse Just, human rights does anybody like Villa actually Villa, I really Villa like fans Villa. Uh, Bristol no, City they don't um, That's too far away. Right Bristol well. Rovers. Oh, that cup game last season, Bristol City. They just oh god, yeah. did us. <sighs> Norwich, see Ipswich, uh, Preston. Um, yeah, Preston's not nice. It's just you don't like Preston, do you, Dave? So you I, 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 I resent the amount of time I've spent at its train station. Uh, that's the main thing. Sheffield United and Wednesday. I'd like just just be one or the other. Just. You know, Sheffield yeah. needs one team, doesn't okay. it? Uh, Brentford. Um, uh, I hadn't heard of them. I don't like bees. Three years ago. So. Bees, yeah, bees, Sodom. Derby. We've got Gary uh, Rowett. You're going to wow. miss him from the end of August. <laughs> Leeds. Um, oh, God, where do you begin? They're stupid owners. Yeah. Leave Brian Clough alone. Uh, there's the stupid badge they did with the tap in the chest oh, thing. Oh, God, that clip art. Going on yeah. holiday to a human rights abusing country, you absolute. I'll, I'll stop because I don't want to swear at them. Nottingham Forest. <laughs> uh, it's not the 1970s anymore. Good. Uh, Swansea. Uh, there's only one. There's only room for one SCFC. Good. Oh, West oh. Brom. Obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Middlesbrough. Pulis. You won't enjoy Pulis in five Ooh. years. <laughs> okay. And Stoke. They're just bad, aren't they? Yeah. Hate Stoke. <laughs> Why do you stop? <laughs> They're just really, it? really bad. Yeah. Stupid bar graph badge and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And you thought we'd be more positive this season. There you go. Um, before we go, we've got an interview with final score reporter and Leeds United fan Dan McCarthy ahead of our visit to Elland Road. I'm fairly optimistic for the season ahead for Leeds. Of course, our previous track record in recent seasons shows that op- that optimism is usually a little bit misguided. The board and and the players and the managers we've had seem to come up with all sorts of new and creative ways to, to really dash uh, fans' hopes. But I think the difference this time around is that there's a real sense that Leeds have pushed the boat out and are looking to try and get back to the big time again. I am excited about the appointment of Marcello Bielsa. I think that was a, a massive statement to make uh, from the board. Bielsa is a manager, of course, who the likes of Pep Guardiola and um, Maurizio Pochettino have come out with and said that he is one of the, the best coaches in the world. And I am excited to see what he can do. He's a, he's a real enigma kind of manager. The only concern I would have at the moment is how well that'll translate to the championship. It's all well and good being able to do it with Atletico Madrid when you're in the Champions League. But the championship will be a complete culture shock to someone like Bielsa, and it's just a case of how how well his three three one three formation, because he probably will try and go with that at Leeds. How well that'll play out in the championship. Uh, I think realistically, we've got to be looking at a playoff place. We spent far too many seasons in this division now since getting promoted in 2010, and realistically, we've only come close twice to being promoted, and both times we've missed out on the playoffs. Uh, I think Bielsa is the kind of manager who will really want to do things his own way. And with the reported amount that Leeds are paying him, he will have to be backed. So I think realistically, he's got a good chance of taking us into the playoffs. But unfortunately, at the moment, the summer transfer business has been a little bit underwhelming. We've only brought in two players, both of them low knees from Chelsea, in midfielder Lewis Baker and goalkeeper Jamal Blackman. Baker in particular, I think, is a good signing. He's always impressed uh, at under-21 level for England and various uh, different loan spells he's had. He was really uh, made progress at Vitesse Arnhem last season. But this transfer window has been frustrating, mainly for the, the players that we haven't signed, the top targets that we, we supposedly aimed for at the end of last season. It doesn't look like any of them are going to come off. Matic Vidra from Derby. Would have been a massive statement of intent had we signed him, but it looks like his wage demands uh, are going to outstrip the club. Abel Hernandez, we were linked with him, but he seems to have gone to CSK in Moscow. Kyle Bartley was wanted by the club, but West Brom have signed him. David Stockdale and Angus Gunn, the the goalkeepers we targeted before Jamal Blackman, have uh, moved on to different clubs. So it's it's been quite an underwhelming transfer window. We've got rid of some of the deadwood that weren't going to figure this season, all the younger players who need time out uh, on loan away from the first team. But there's certainly a lot of work to be done so far in terms of uh, recruitment. Um, I think in terms of contenders for the championship title, I'd look at the likes of Middlesbrough, who came close last time round. I think Tony Pulis knows the division inside out. And I think there's a, a very good squad of players the three relegated teams from the Premier League in yourself, Stoke, Swansea and West Brom, none of them seem to have significantly weakened and unlike last year when the likes of Hull and Sunderland came down with big financial problems, they all seem to be, uh, from the outside looking in, uh, running quite a steady ship and they've all got uh, good managers in charge who can 
uh, push for a, a championship title. And then you've got the likes of Nottingham Forest, who are, who are wanting to go big on the on the Portuguese recruitment model this season, like what Wolves did last year, spending thirty million pounds on on single players. They're uh, very ambitious ambitious at the moment. So there's quite a number of clubs who'll be looking at the the championship title. I think Leeds' first game against Stoke will be a really tough game for us, obviously against a side managed by Gary Rowett, who's a very good manager at this level, even though he hasn't quite got a promotion out of it yet. But on the flip side, I do think Stoke will think that's a tough test for them as well. They'll uh, know all about the, the so-called new manager bounce that'll come with Marcello Bielsa and the fact that the fans will be really behind Leeds on that opening day. So I think for both sides, they'll have looked at this game with maybe a, a tiny bit of trepidation, but also excitement as well. Uh, Stoke, I think, in terms of Leeds players to look out for, should look at the uh, the creative duo of Pablo Hernandez and Samuel Saez uh, and then two players kind of dovetailing off each other. Hernandez in particular was easily Leeds' best player last season. He's one of the best players in the championship. He just oozes class at so many levels. And it's a real shame that we're seeing him in a Leeds shirt when he's at the back end of his career, when he's lost that half yard of pace uh, that he used to have. He sometimes goes missing in games and doesn't quite have the legs to, to track back. But used correctly, he really is a special player at this level. And Samuel Saez, the first half of last season, looked like an absolute revelation. It did tail off for him in the second half of the campaign. There was the unfortunate spitting incident at Newport, which kind of was the beginning of end, uh, the beginning of the end of Leeds' season uh, last year. But those two players in particular are ones to watch out for. In terms of Stoke players that I'd be scared of uh, facing uh, as a Leeds fan, Benikafobe has historically got a really good record against Leeds of goal scoring. I think at Championship level, he is one of the the perfect strikers uh, to play there. He's big, he's strong, he's quick, he's he's got a good touch, he's a good finisher. Um, and I think it was a, a real coup for Stoke, particularly after Wolves had only just signed him on a permanent basis, to then get him on a season-long loan. Again, I talked about showing intent. That's exactly what Stoke have done by making that signing. And then elsewhere, there's there's been quite a number of players retained by Stoke who you'd expect to be excellent players at this level, the likes of, of Joe Allen, who's uh, regarded quite highly in the Premier League as a good midfielder there. Jack Butland, who had a loan spell at Leeds a few years ago, he's a much better goalkeeper now. And Well, as I'm recording this now, he's still at the club. You'd expect there to be interest in him uh, up until the end of the transfer window, but if still can keep Jack Butland, that's a major coup for them. Uh, in terms of a score prediction, I think I'm going to uh, sit on the fence and say it's going to be uh, one apiece. I do think that the kind of occasion that it'll be at Elland Road, with it being Bielsa's first game, you could expect to see upwards of 30,000, probably even more than that, Elland Road for the game, even though it's kicking off at half past four on a Sunday afternoon. And I think that Bielsa's the kind of manager who won't let the occasion get to him and he'll rise to it. But on the flip side, I think... Uh, with the squad Leeds have got at the moment and with the squad Stoke have got, I'm not sure we're good enough to beat Stoke. So I'm thinking a one-all draw for the first game. Thanks for that, Dan. Uh, Tom, I believe you are off to Elland Road for the opening game of the season because unlike me and Ben, you are not a plastic. No, I am going and it's my actual birthday. Mm. I will be Taylor Swifting, feeling 22, so feel free to like. I don't know, shout at me or something. 
<laughs> shout, shout happy birthday at you at Elland Road. There you go. Yeah, what what a what a merry time you'll have, Tom. Uh, I'm not gonna go because I don't want to pay thirty nine pounds and I don't want to be part of the problem. So uh, hashtag AMF hashtag twenties uh, plenty. Yeah, how dare you fund that horrible horrible club that you were just railing against five minutes ago? Uh, so yeah, shame on you, Tom. Uh, but thank you very much for coming, uh, Ben. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Stroud. And thank you very much, everyone, for putting up with us. Go on, Stoke.